what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And Father, we trust you this morning to speak to us through your word. And as I step back now, I thank you for the spirit of God who's already in this place to minister to our hearts. I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives. And most of all, Father, I thank you for the Spirit of God speaking to each one of us individually and corporately through your word from the man of God. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a new series entitled, I Give Up. Just look at your neighbor and say, I give up. Every year I take a tithe or 10% of the year, which comes to about four to five weeks to teach on kingdom giving and financial principles. And unless uh, led otherwise, I tend to teach this at the front part of every year so that our hearts are properly positioned in putting God first financially in our lives. Uh, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there you will find your heart. And so if we start our year off right financially with our heart towards God, then guess what? Our heart towards the kingdom will be uh, towards God as well. Now, again, allow me to just give a disclaimer. Everybody say this is a disclaimer. Just like the message of salvation is needed for people to hear Get faith to get saved, just like the message on healing is necessary for believers to hear and get faith, get faith to get healed. Then this type of message is also needed for someone to have faith for giving and prosperity. Everybody say giving and prosperity. Now, my last lesson was entitled The Deception of Giving, and it was an incredible message, if I could say so myself. And if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to it, go to the podcast or you can go to YouTube and watch it. So if you're taking notes, our message title today is The Dynamics of Giving. The Dynamics of Giving. And so if you have your Bibles, find 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. And then go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6. That was 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6. Now, because it's been a couple of weeks, in our last lesson, I'm just going to briefly review. Everybody just touch your neighbor and say he's reviewing right now. In our last lesson, I listed four deceptions of giving that affect most people. The first deception was God will never ask me to give to him if I'm struggling. 
And the example we gave was found in 1 Kings chapter 17. And this is where a widow woman who uh, only had one meal left for her and her son, she was going to eat it and die. And Elijah, the man of God, asked her for a meal to eat. Watch this, before she served her and her son. In other words, she only had a little, but the man of God asked her to feed him first. And so sometimes, how many believe she was struggling? She was struggling. And sometimes the deception is God that won't ask me or challenge me to give if I'm struggling. So that was deception number one. Deception number two was giving is for the pastor, the church, or the person in whom I may be giving to. And the key point that was made was that giving is always for the giver. Everybody say giving, giving. is always for the giver. Or to be put differently, the seed is always for the sower and not the soil. Jesus said in Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given unto you. Not to the person that you gave it to, but, but unto you. Deception number three that we gave was giving decreases me. Instead of increasing me. And this is why most people believe they, 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 they don't understand. They're under this deception that when we give, it decreases us instead of increasing us. And that's why most people are afraid to give because they see giving as a pie. Once you cut a slice out and give it out, there's no more, there's less pie for me to have. But giving doesn't decrease you. It increases you. And, uh, we found out in first King 17, which was our main text, uh, when I taught this uh the the bible says that god had told elijah to go to this widow woman and so when she gave him something to eat the bible says that her food and the meal was multiplied and it not only fed her her son and her house but it also fed elijah the bible says for many days now remember now god didn't need that widow woman to feed elijah Because God had proved in the previous or the early part of the chapter that he fed, watch this now, Elijah through the birds. The Bible says the birds bought him flesh to eat in the morning and in the evening and he drank from the brook. So God didn't need this widow woman to feed this man of God. What God needed was this widow woman to sacrifice and give. And when she did it, it saved her and her house. So giving didn't decrease her, it increased her. And let me just throw this out there. You know, uh, this was the second uh, that I can think of. This is the s- second uh, reference in the Bible of what I would call home delivery for food. See, we think them delivering pizza these days, it wasn't big. That started in the Bible. No, no, no. Listen, when, when David's dad, remember David the shepherd? His dad put him on assignment. I want you to take this food, this cheese, and give it to your brother. See, that's food delivery back there in the Old Testament. Well, he brought the birds and the birds brought him food. That's just home delivery. And I want to challenge you, if you're an entrepreneur, read the Bible. There are principles in there that can change your business life. Amen. And then here's the last deception. It was giving doesn't work. And here's the thing. If giving doesn't work, then we would still need to be bringing sacrifices to church for the forgiveness of our sins. You would have to have in your monthly budget money for you to buy animals, for you to bring them to church so they could sacrifice them. But see, because God loved us so much that he... He gave his only begotten son. And because he was willing to give, 
It worked for our salvation. Everybody say giving works. Amen. So here's what I want to do. I want to start this morning lessons off by giving you four dynamics of giving. Four dynamics of giving. Here's number one if you're taking notes. And it's called storehouse giving. Storehouse giving. Another name that I've heard other people call it is systematic giving. And this particular type of giving involves the bringing of tithes and offerings into God's house. Now, we know the scripture, but I'm going to point something out to you today that you may not have ever paid attention to. In uh, Malachi chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 10, but in verse 8, he said, you have robbed me in tithe and offering. But in verse 10, he said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Watch this. That there may be meat where? In mine house. Uh, says the Lord. Now let me just stop there because if you notice, he didn't say bring you all the tithe and offering into the storehouse. He only said tithe here when previously he said you've robbed me in tithe and offering. That means that God desires for us to bring tithe and offering into his house. But he said bring all the tithe. Why didn't he say all the offering? Because some of the offering that you give is not in church. Listen, when you bless somebody and their food in the restaurant, that was an offering. That was a blessing. When you see somebody, you would put some gas in their car. That's an offering. So if he had a said, bring all the tithe and offering, you couldn't give none to nobody else. Y'all ain't thought about that, did you? I know you haven't. That's why I'm the pastor. But anyway, (laughs) everybody say storehouse giving. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1. I'm reading out of the uh, the King James Version. It says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, now I'm giving the order to Word of Truth Family Church. He says, even so do you. He says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you, how many? Every one of you lay by him in store, watch this, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Now, I like the NIRV version. It says this. Now, I want to deal with the offering of money for God's people. Do what I told the churches in Galatia to do. On the first day of, the, of every week, what day is that class? That's Sunday. On the first day of every week, each of you should put some money away. The amount should be in keeping with how much money you make. See, now that's different. See, that's why we know that tithing bleeds over into the New Testament. Because he's saying, listen, how you give to God is based on how much you made. That's what he just said here. He said the amount should be in keeping with how much money you make. Save the money so that you won't have to take up an offering when I come. Everybody say storehouse giving. That's number one. Here's a second dynamic of giving. It's specific giving. Now this giving is giving that targets a specific need or purpose. If you go to Exodus chapter 35, they're going to put it on the screen. I want to read it. Exodus 35 verses 4 gives us a good indication of what specific giving is all about. It says, and Moses spoken to the children of the congregation of the children of Israel saying, this thing which the Lord commanded saying, take from among you a what? An offering. Is it, is it up there? Yes. Take from among you a what class? An offering. A what? A what? An offering. And who's, watch this now. Unto the who? Unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a what kind of heart? Willing heart. Let him bring it 
an offering of the Lord. Now watch this now because I'm going to show you that what Pastor Ernest did last week was very scriptural. Notice he gives now a specific type. He says, some of y'all bring some gold and some silver and some brass. And if you keep reading it, that whole chapter is talking about different ways that you can bring. That's just different levels and different types of giving. That's all that is. And then I love verse 21. It says, and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whose spirit made him willing. And they brought the Lord's offering. It wasn't the pastor's offering. It wasn't the church's offering. It was the Lord's offering. Watch this now. To the work of the tabernacle of the congregation. And this is why we have a Project 360. It is very scriptural. We use that money and we set it aside just to build the building of our facility. Well, they did that in the Old Testament. So everybody say specific giving. Here's number three. You have sacrificial giving. This is when giving is done and it is costing us more than we are normally willing to pay or give. It is giving that stretches us because it is normally beyond our comfort zone. Sacrificial giving always values the person, place or thing over the price of what they're giving. I'm going to rewind that one. Sacrificial giving always values the person, place, or thing over the price of what they're giving. In other words, when you sacrifice, what you're, give, you, what you're saying is, what I am giving to, what I am giving of, is more valuable than me keeping it for myself. And I love the message translation in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6, because this was a good example of what I was saw, what I saw, sacrificial giving. It says, when Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simon the leper, and I'm reading out of the message translation, a woman came up to Jesus as he was eating dinner and anointed him with a bottle of very expensive perfume. When the disciples saw what was happening, they were furious. That's criminal. This could have been sold for a lot of money and handed out to the poor. When Jesus realized what was going on, he intervened. Why are you giving this woman a hard time? Now, let me just stop right there and say this. Anytime you start giving extravagantly or sacrificially, you're going to get on people's nerve. Let me tell you why people have a hard time with sacrificial givers. Because it shows them up. For some reason, this lady decided to bring a sacrificial, very expensive gift to Jesus. Nobody else had done it, so it made them look bad. And normally when you make people look bad, you're not even trying to make them look bad. That's why when you tell people, oh, I tied. Ooh. Ooh. See, let me tell you how to deal with sacrificial giving. After you have given a sacrificial gift to the Lord, don't tell nobody. Tell them when the harvest shows up. When they see you driving up in your new car, they say, where did you get that car? After I sold my sacrificial seed. What's a sacrificial seed? Come on in here and let me testify to you. Why are you giving this woman a hard time? She has just done something wonderful and significant for me. You will have the poor with you every day for the rest of your lives, but not me. When she poured this perfume on my body, what she really did was anointed me for my burial. You can be sure that wherever in the whole world the message is preached, what she has just done is going to be remembered and admired. Everybody say sacrificial giving. 
Here's number four, spirit-led giving. Now, this is where I'm going to park for a minute. This is giving that is purely done because of the prompting and leading of God's spirit or your spirit. Most of the time, this is giving that stretches us so God can bless us. This is giving that's beyond my comfort zone, but not beyond my ability. An ability can never be measured by what I have as much as what I am led or told by God to do. And a good example of this, uh, of the human spirit, is in 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, we're going to park here for a minute. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8. This is a good example of someone who decided, watch this now, I'm going to use a word that I'm going to go to next, who purposed in their own heart to do something. See, God doesn't have to always cause you to purpose. You can purpose in your own heart. And this is a good example. It says in verse 8, And it fell on a day that Elijah passed to Shunem, where there was a great woman. I believe great means wealthy. And she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat bread. Verse 9 says, and she said to her husband, behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes us continually. I like that. What would make you think that this woman said he is just not a regular man? He is a holy man of God. He had been coming by. And so every time he would come by, she would feed him. Well, I believe she saw that he was a holy man of God because he didn't try to hit on her. Now, I'm pretty sure she saw the anointing on his life. I was at an event not too long ago. It wasn't a church event or nothing. And when I walked in the room, and I was dressed kind of like this, you know, real casual. And uh, this guy comes up to me. He says, you're a man of God, aren't you? I wanted to say, do you need me to pray for you? Do you need me to lay hands on you? No, I just said, I am. I said, you must be one too. He said, yeah. See, isn't it nice to be able to have somebody see the spirit of you? Well, she saw the spirit of Elijah. And so watch what happened. She told her husband, and this is why sometimes, listen, uh, men of God, notice it says, and she said unto her husband, behold, I see this is the man of God. Let us make a little chamber, I pray, on the wall and let us set up a bed and a table and a stew. Basically, they made a, they have made an addition to their house for the man of God. Notice the woman was the one that prompted the man. A lot of times it's like that we're giving because most men are stingy. Now, let me back that up. Most men are uh, managers. Thank you for that. Amen, brother. We're just trying to manage it. And while we're trying to manage it, the women are trying to give it. But praise God. When spirit led giving is prompted by God's spirit. There will be and can be times where God will use someone to push us. But don't confuse being pushed with being pressured. Amen. This is one of the forms of giving that, you know, a person may have to repurpose in their heart what they're giving because they're being pushed to do it. And being pushed is not bad. When my wife and I, we both, you know, uh, had to help Landon ride his bike. And, you know, he would fall and stop. and But we kept pushing him. Nope, nope, nope. You're not going to stop. We kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. And it was a good pushing. And you know what? After pushing him, guess what? He learned to ride the bike. Sometimes when God wants you to do something that is not in your agenda, he may use people to push you. 
Amen. I was pushed to give my first $500. She pushed me. I'm glad she did. Because what you don't realize, until you, until you pass the financial level you're on, you won't be able to qualify for the next level. Now see, no one could have told me that was 22 years ago. No one would have been able to tell me that me giving that $500 and as much as a struggle as it was then, that 20 years later, I would give 100000 at one time. That's good, ain't it? Amen. So sometimes the spirit-led part of giving is where we have to repurpose in our heart. And I'll explain that in just a second. We're about to read a situation in the Bible that Jesus determined what this individual was supposed to give. And this is why we say pray. Before you give something sacrificially, before you give something, ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to give? Now, sometimes when I ask the Lord that, I really don't want him to say nothing. Have you ever asked the Lord something and you really didn't want him to say it, but you just gave him the courtesy of asking? Lord, do you really want me to buy my co-workers lunch? You really want him to say no. Well, in this situation, Jesus was about to push a young man to give something he wasn't ready to give. Watch this now in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asking, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This young man was such a doer. He thought in his mind, I think he could buy eternal salvation. Well, let's see how Jesus handled him. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, why are you calling me good? There's none good but one, and that's God. He says, you know what the commandments are. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Watch this now. And he answered and said to him, Master, all of these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus behold him, loved him. He says, there's one thing that you lack. Go and sell whatever you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and take up your cross and follow me and he was sad at that saying and he went away grieved because he had great possessions Jesus pushed this young man to give but he flunked the money test look at your neighbor and say he flunked the money test what this young man did not realize is that when he came to Jesus Jesus left out one of the commandments One of the commandments was, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Jesus knew that money was this young man's God. And what most people in the church doesn't know is that they proclaim that Jesus is Lord, but the way they run their money, money is. Amen, Pastor. Somebody emailed me once. Somebody can just Snapchat me an email and somebody else can, uh, what's another way? Instagram me an email. Would you do that? <laughs> oh, what? Amen. Amen. What did I say? An email. Well, yeah. Well, you can email me one too if you want to. So let's look closely at the dynamics of giving because I want to explain to you what it really means to purpose in your heart. Because most people don't really understand what that is all about. Go to Second Corinthians. Uh, is, uh, I'm sorry. Go to... First Corinthians, no, Second Corinthians 9, and we're going to look in verse 6, and we're going to close right here. Second Corinthians 9, verse 6, 
It says, but this I say, he who sows or gives sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Let me stop here because this is not just talking about money. This is talking about anything. I sow parking spaces so I can reap parking spaces. You can ask my wife. I always get the park up front. I always get it. You know why? Because I'll give it. Amen. When it's, you know how you have those, those things you get off the highway and you, you gotta let people go first or whatever. And even though I know it's my turn to go, sometimes I just go on it, go on it, go on it, go on it. I'm sowing. I'm sowing. See, some of y'all just got sowing down the money. It's not about just money. It's about sowing. You want some compliments? Sow some. I had a guy told me yesterday, he says, man, you look good. And it wasn't none of that, you know, stuff. He really, you know, he was just complimenting me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he had enough confidence in himself to just tell me I look good. I appreciated that. Amen. You want a compliment? You got to sow one. Amen. If you want somebody to tell you how good your weave look, tell them how good they weave look. Girl, that's a bad weave. That's a bad weave, girl. That's a bad weave. He says, every man, watch this, according as he purposes, where? In his heart. Watch this. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the word purpose it means to choose for oneself. He's saying when it's time to give, you choose for yourself how you ought to give. Now, this is giving. This is not bringing. He said, bring the tithe. See, that, that's not giving. That's you, you returning on that. We're talking about over and above. He says, and every man purpose in his own, own heart. Let you determine for yourself. Let you choose for yourself. And I love the God's word translation. It says this. Each of you should give whatever you have decided. You shouldn't be sorry that you gave or feel forced to give since God loves a cheerful giver. And see, you can feel forced by family. I don't know if you ever had family trying to force you to give them something. And then they start using that manipulation on it, start making you feel bad. But you know, uh, in 1940, I lended you $5. Well, you asking me for 5000 though. And see, you, giving, because it's connected to your heart, you got to keep your heart right. Everybody say years ago. Years ago, y'all know this story, but there was this lady when I, when I went to Prairie View A&M University. Hello. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you, PVites. Thank you. When I went to Prairie View, there was this lady named Miss Norris. Miss Norris was a minority. And Miss Norris was about, in, she was probably in her 40s. Now, when you're like, you know, 19 and 20, 40 seems old until you get 40. Well, back then, Miss Norris seemed old to me. And uh, Miss Norris didn't have a car. And she lived off campus. And uh, she would walk to school. And so Miss Norris was a believer. And when we would have Bible study, she would come to Bible study. And, and one day I saw Miss Norris. I said, Miss Norris, anytime you need to go to the grocery store or you need to be picked up for whatever reason, just let me know. She says, okay. 
So every now and then, Miss Norris would ask me, and I'd go pick her up, take her to the grocery store, wait for her, and then, you know, do it. Well, this one particular day, I was in my dorm room in the bed, chilling. And uh, the dorm phone rings because cell phones weren't there back then. These were the phones that were on the wall that had the very long cord. The phone rings. My roommate answers the phone. And he covers the phone up and says, Evan, this is Ms. Nars. I say, ask her what she want. So he asked her what she want. She said, he covered the phone up. She said, can you come and pick her up and take some groceries? Take her to get some groceries. And I said, tell her I'll be there. So he told her, he'll be there. So he hung up the phone. I laid back in the bed. So after about five, seven, ten minutes, he's like, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He says, you told Miss Norris you were going to take her to get some groceries. I said, I am. He said, well, why are you still in the bed? I said, I'm not leaving till I'm willing. Because if I go because she's telling me to, I'm not going to get the blessing, but she will. See, when you don't do something from the heart, you might be a blessing to the person, but that doesn't mean you got blessed. See, I want to do it from my heart. And I said, I'm not getting out of this bed till I'm willing. So I had to talk to myself. Evan, give and it shall be given unto you. Drive and it shall be driven for you. Good measure. Many miles. Press down, shaking together. Man, I had to talk to myself. And when I was willing, I got up and I took Miss Norris to get some groceries. I believe that's why God has honored my desire to have nice cars because I was willing to sow my ride. Amen. I love this other, this, the message translation I believe says, let us each give as he has made up in his own mind and purpose in his heart. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion for God loves. He takes pleasure in. He prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do giver. Watch this. Whose heart is in his giving. And here's why it's so important for our hearts to be right when we give. Because, watch this now, here's where I'm closing. However way we measure it out is how we're going to get it back. Had I measured out to Miss, Miss, Miss Norris, had I measured out reluctancy and, and just draggedness, had I, that's, that's how people are going to give back. So listen, that's why he says, do it, do it with love. Do it joyfully. Do it promptly. Because see, you know, oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Some of you all's harvest is being held up because it took you long for God to get you to give to somebody else. I mean, when God, listen, when God tells you to do something, unless he gives you a time frame, guess when the time is? Now. I'll share this with you and I'm closing. You know that scripture Jesus said, you know what, when I come and I knock on your door, he says, you know, the day you hear my, 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 my voice, harden not your heart. Why, 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 why would he say that? See, I tell people whenever the spirit of God is moving on you, you need to respond. And here is why. Because you don't know or you can't necessarily control when the spirit is going to be moving on you like that again. 
You don't know if your heart is going to be back in that same place again. You better respond now. I can close right there. Maybe there's somebody who hasn't responded to the spirit of God when it comes to giving Jesus their life. See, after you, you keep saying, no, your heart gets hard. When it comes to giving, do you know your heart can get hard? And so one of the things I'm going to pray for right now, there are some of you who have been damaged. You ever been to the grocery store and you see damaged cans and they discount them because somebody dropped them? Well, there are some of you in this room, you're damaged when it comes to giving. That's why it, it, it irritates you to even hear it talked about. Because somebody, before you got to me, took advantage of you or didn't do right, and now... It damaged you. And all the devil wants to do is keep your heart damaged because let me say say this. There is no way in God's economic system that you can progress and you can graduate without giving something. If a man is faithful over little, God will give him more. He said, unless you're faithful over another man, who will give you your own? In order for you to graduate at any level, doing anything in life, you got to give. And if your heart got messed up from somebody else, I believe the Lord wants to repair your heart this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you for the word that has been sown. I pray right now in Jesus' name. Those whose hearts and lives have been damaged from giving, from being taken advantage of, whether it's from their family, whether it's from their last church or from a a friend or, or whatever, where they have been taken advantage of, only you can heal. That's what I'm asking you now. You led me to pray for those who may have been damaged in their hearts concerning giving. There are some whose hearts have been damaged in giving in their relationships. And that's why they've stopped. Because they feel they've been taken advantage of. But Father, you can never take advantage of a giver. Because a giver always gives and always gets more than what they gave back. Father, those who have been deceived by thinking, I've given too much, let them know today that if they'll trust you with the harvest, you will bring it in. So I ask that you heal every heart right now in Jesus' name that has been damaged. And I pray now by the Spirit of God that you will go in and do what only you can do by your Spirit in Jesus' name. If you receive that, say, I receive that. With every head still bowed, if you die today, here's my question.